The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonall. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you've got. Yeah. Unlock Your Wealth Radio starts now. So welcome to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Thanks again for popping by. I'm your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked today, as in every day, every, every day yeah. <laughs> by the maestro of Moolah, Michael ha- Terry. Haven't lost my job yet. No, but there's always today. <laughs> we have an incredible show for you as we are nearing the end of our radio show season. Uh, today's topic is going to be all about the T word. Taxes. Taxes. Yes. And so let me say up front, I am neither an accountant, CPA, tax professional, enrolled agent, none of that stuff. That even, is not me. Even though you play one on TV. Even though I have played one on TV. Let me just tell you up front. That I may give you a good idea, but you need to flesh it out with your tax professional. There you go. To make sure that you are eligible for it, because it may not apply to everybody. Because there's a few that we're going to talk about today uh, as we get into this final stretch of our applying uh, for extensions or actually getting our filing done. And don't feel bad, most of the world procrastinates. And there's actually this little myth. That in, unless you're absolutely dying for that cash from your refund, and if you've been a regular listener of this show, then you know that I uh, uh, I tell you not to do that. That it's better to owe or break even than it is to get money back. But if you uh, but if you don't need that money back, it's better for you to procrastinate because you're less likely to be audited because they're now dealing with this bulk, so they just want to process them. What is our key, Miguel? Uh, practicing the three R's. Yes, it is. And I just lost my moolah word of the day. So we are at our 12th key. 12th key. So we only have one more, but all the hard work. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's not That's not an accurate assessment. All, all, the, all, of, the, all the academic stuff. All of the heavy lifting yeah, yeah, yeah. to get you in the groove of a successful money manager will be through today. But next week's key is your task that will never end. Right. So, But that's one that I embrace because I just, I love reading. And, and so, uh, but the challenge you're going to have, it's going to be a lifetime challenge next week um, and one you'll never complete, but, but in a good way, mm-hmm. you know, because um, you always want to be hungry. But this is like all of the heavy lifting will be over after you learn this. This is the final piece in our 3-5 financial strategy. Uh, so if you remember, for those of you that have been with us uh, since the beginning of the season, uh, in key four, 
knowledge is power, not knowing is powerful. We learn what it is that we should know about money management. And then we start making assessments as to like taking a, uh, a financial inventory of our knowledge base. What do we know and what should we know, but maybe we don't. So our, we, I came up with what I call my three, five financial strategy. And this is everything you need to know or <clears throat> be need to be doing when it comes to money management. And that's simply ask yourself three questions and address five areas of concern. And so this is the final question in our three areas or our three questions. Uh, so we're going to answer the final question today. We answered part of it in key seven. Uh, but we'll answer the rest of it in, uh, and I shouldn't say today, <laughs> I should say in this week's key, because it's a whole nother show on a whole nother website at yeah. com. If you are an Unlock Your Wealth radio listener, you can get this week's key through the same applications that you do for this show. You can get the Keys to Riches show. But if you want all the resources now, they live at another website, and that would be at keystoriches.com because you'll also want to get, you'll want to download the worksheets for uh, this week's key for practicing the three R's and understanding the process. But the three R's are simply review, revise, and recommit. And so this is what changes standardized budgeting. As if we didn't break the budget already in key seven with the break the budget by creating a healthy savings and spending plan. This is what takes it to the next level. This is where like we have exponential effectiveness. So if you think so, you have imagine the word, you know, uh, savings and spending plan or a personal money management plan. Now you take and uh, you have to go back to algebra and, and pull out some math and put a squared up there, put the number two, because this is what's going to exponentially um, affect your ability to achieve financial freedom. Because when people budget or diet, it's something they go onto and off of. And the idea isn't that it's something that's rigid because life happens. And so we have to be able to move with life. And that's what this week's key is. It's all, it's also a measuring stick because we're answering that final question. What's the difference? So we start answering it monthly with our savings and spending tracker every 30 days. But now we're going to do a quarterly checkup from the neck up, if you will. <laughs> and so we're going to um, identify what our goals are. We're going to go back and, and revisit those. And then we're going to see where we ended up and, and measure what's the difference, how close to or far away from we are from what we said we were going to do versus what we did do. So it's an evaluation thing, mm -hmm. but it's also like you've got revisions. This is the opportunity to make changes. You know, uh, a, a no carb diet doesn't allow you to make changes. So you're either on it or off of it. Right. So if you're like, oh, no. So this gives you flexibility. So let's say you like on, on a no carb diet, let's say you ate some carbs. Maybe you ate more of the wrong kind of carbs that you weren't supposed to be eating. You're like, oh, no. So now I got to freak out. Well, here we just. Look at how it affects our overall plan. But now we might have catastrophic events that come into play. And so we have to incorporate how does that affect my long-term planning, my short-term planning, unexpected events. You learn all about how to handle that in this week's key. So visit our website at keystoriches.com for the worksheets that go along with this week's strategy. 
Moving right along, because I have so many great tax things that I want to give you. And I'll say most of them are going to be from the IRS themselves. Oh, so cool. it's not me making up stuff. Oh, well, but I will have my editorial comments. What, no fake news today? No fake news today. Uh, so moolah word of the day is game theory. So you've probably heard about game theory. You've heard about it employed in many contexts. Game but theory. it also has to do with investing to a degree mm-hmm. because it has to do with participation and cooperation. And it's a mathematical gig. Mm. So thanks to the good folks at Investopedia who have a very robust reference section. That's what I'm pulling this from now. I should get them to be sponsors. But right now, I'm just an aficionado. So um, I I like the reference section. I can't speak to the rest of the website, but the reference section is usually spot on because of the way they break things down. Uh, So that's a personal testimonial. That's not an endorsement because I didn't get paid to say that yet. (laughs) Let's ask them. So uh, game theory is the study of human conflict and cooperation within a competitive situation. So think about online gaming, you know, stuff like that to um, understand where the body of work kind of goes from. In some respects, game theory is the science of strategy or at least the optimal decision making of independent and competing actors in a strategic setting. The key pioneers of game theory were mathematicians John von Neumann and John Nash, as well as economist Oscar Morgenstern. So a breaking down game theory, game theory creates a language and formal structure of analysis for making logical decisions in competitive environments. The term game can be misleading, even though game theory applies to recreational games. The concept of game simply means any interactive situation in which independent actors share more or less formal rules and consequences. So the formal application of game theory requires knowledge of the following details, the identity of independent actors. So like whoever the players are or like if you're applying it to investing, who the other independent investors are or who's in the marketplace. Okay, you know, stakeholders, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, identifying the independent actors, their preferences. So an individual common stock shareholder might have a different. Um, concept and value system when they play versus stakeholders, maybe the original founders of the company, stuff like that. So that's what they mean by independent actors. I thought I'd kind of give that some color. Their preferences and what they know, what strategic acts they are allowed to make, so like the rules of the game, and how each decision influences the outcome of the game, like in chess. If I move this guy instead of that guy... What's going to happen? Yeah. If, you know, so alternate advance, you've got opportunity cost. You've got a lot of economic theory that kind of actually plays into this. Depending on the model, various other requirements or assumptions may be necessary. Finally, each independent actor is assumed to be rational. So how does that play into our three amigos, right? So that means that they are in their third brain, that they are in their logic mm-hmm, brain, mm-hmm. that they're in that third phase of the decision cycle, mm-hmm. or that's they're assuming that that's where they're residing. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we can assume somebody's a rational actor, but if they are operating in either survive, emote, remember – and not logic, then you're dealing with instinctive drives or emotional drives 
that may not be tied to logical decisions. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of players in the marketplace. It's, it's, that's where some theories fail is because they have to make assumptions like this in order to establish the theory. And then you have um, the anomalies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the anomalies or another buzzword is the outliers. Uh, those are the potentially irrational actors in this situation. So the impact on economics and business, because that's what this show has to deal with, your personal financial freedom, game theory brought about a revolution in economics by addressing crucial problems in prior mathematical economic models. For instance, neoclassical economics struggled to understand entrepreneurial anticipation and couldn't handle imperfect competition. Game theory turned attention away from steady state equilibrium and toward market process. So in game theory, Theory, every decision maker must anticipate the reaction of those affected by the decision. In business, this means economic agents must anticipate the reactions of rivals, employees, customers, and investors mm. as they make decisions. You know, so here's a really great example. I really like this. So, and I know we're kind of belaboring the point, but it's okay. Um, it, it's it's critical because it it can actually help you. When you have to make decisions in any environment when there's multiple participants with multiple agendas, right? Because even though people come together for, quote, the common good, like in a company or in a charity situation, each independent person is there for their own selfish interest. A good thing. Yeah. You know, from an objectivist standpoint, yeah. it's good that we're there for our own best interest. So if you're in a work situation, you're there to make money to provide for your family. Okay, so that's why you're there. All right. You might like the company and what they do or the product that they make, but you're there at the end of the day. You're there for you and your contributions help everybody else. But you're there for you first, Mm -hmm. which is great and the way it should be. And so by knowing game theory, we know that it's not the main focus of common good that people are working towards. Like it seems that way, but everybody has their own selfish interest in that common good and whatever that might be. But Mm -hmm. so knowing this makes it easier for you to negotiate, say, crazy personalities. You know what I mean? So some people like that do charity work, Mm -hmm. they do it because they really want to help the doggies and kitties or whatever the charity might be. Other people might be doing it because they want the recognition of being magnanimous, you know? So some people do it for the external rewards, the, oh, look at how selfless this person is. She's donating her time and she doesn't have to, you know, that sort of thing. Some people do it for guilt. Right. Or some people do it for economic gain. So like, you know, um, when you bid on things at a live auction, for example, in a charity situation, once you're over the cost of the item, you know, like, so if they say this item's worth five grand, but you pay 10, oh, that, that's you get tax to, deductible? you get to d- deduct the d- difference. Oh, wow. The d- 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 difference. Yeah. The difference. You know, so depending on your tax situation, of course, remember, I am not a tax professional. I'm a tax amateur at best because <laughs> Uncle Sam doesn't like me. <laughs> but that's okay. The feeling's mutual. But so, so everybody, so knowing this is great. So a simple application uh, is suppose executives in charge of Apple, uh, iOS, and Google Android are deciding whether or not to collude and exert 
dualistic as opposed to mono- monopolistic dualistic power over the market for smartphone operating software each firm knows that if they work together and do not cheat each other they will be able to restrict output and raise prices thereby enjoying above normal profits sure. collusion there you go that is exactly so that's, that's collusion that's not illegal uh, well, it depends on what context it's in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because some people can come together for a joint venture, but I guess it would have to do with intent. And that's a legal question that I can't answer. We have laws on price gouging and stuff like that. Yeah. Like during the gas crisis, people raised prices be- because they were trying to maintain their supplies. But some intersections where there was three or four gas stations, one on each corner, they were like deliberately keeping their prices the same and five cents a gallon above everybody else. Yeah. You know, so I don't know when it crosses that line and yeah. I'm not the, uh, the right person yeah. to ask. An application of the principle of the prisoner's dilemma shows Apple and Google cannot maintain a stable equilibrium while colluding, even under the unrealistic assumption that no other market competitors exist or could exist. Okay, so some of the scenarios are Apple and Google sell sell the agreed upon amount, do not cheat and enjoy above normal profits. Uh, two, Apple only sells the agreed upon amount of operating software, but Google sells the quantity at which it receives maximal net return, perhaps through secret rebates or setting up a shadow subsidiary. Google realizes even greater profits by discreetly offering goods at sub-duopoly prices and Apple loses market share. Uh, another scenario, Google doesn't cheat, but Apple does. Apple realizes even greater Greater profits by cheating and Google loses market share. Both Apple and Google compete normally and realize normal profits. Whether or not Google cheats, Apple is better off cheating and vice versa. The same logic holds true whether discussing individual brokers, advisors, salesmen, or entire firms. And here's the big question. It says, why do Wall Street um, consistently profit? Uh, Because they are taking the little skim off of everything everybody does. So it doesn't matter if people are buying or selling. Every, the brokers and yeah. salespeople are still making money. Yep. So, uh, anyway, so that's game theory in a nutshell. So, um, it plays into a lot of different things, but if you find it, you're in settings where you have differing um, objectives with individuals, now you know, okay, so in order to to get my common good, like build this widget efficiently and effectively or serve this charity or population or nonprofit people the best. How do I, as a leader, how do I get the best out of each person and make sure that their needs are being met without destroying or jeopardizing the common good or the other players? Yeah. So that's kind of what game theory sort of helps you to address. So if you have been waiting to get your taxes done and are experiencing some anxiety or guilt, don't, because we're going to help you out with some last minute quick tips and things to avoid. However, we need to talk about something else. So this segment is sponsored by by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners by visiting our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. So let's talk taxes, shall we? Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, you know, sometimes, like, I do my best to get them in by the 15th. I'm in no rush. But, you know, 
the older I've gotten, the more things I'm involved in, the more I rely on other people. So, like, if I've performed a, a, a significant amount of work for somebody on a consultancy basis, um, and they're not a customer of mine where they just pay for a good or a service, um, and they're, you know, like a consulting client where I'm performing a service for them outside, like, that's maybe ongoing and it's over 500 bucks. I got to wait for 1099s and ideally they came out on February 2nd, but like, you know, some of our yeah, people yeah. we work for don't get us our crap on time, <laughs> me included. Yep. But you know, like, so some businesses work on fiscal years. So like December 31 isn't really the end of the year. And so if you have investments and you're expecting 10 Ks um, or investor stuff and people haven't gotten their poop in a group, then it's going to hold you back. And so, you know, I found myself having to file extensions, you know, but because we're just waiting for critical pieces that would materially change our tax mm-hmm. profile sure. that we can estimate, but that doesn't do any good because what we think is going to happen and what does happen, because you don't know how they're going to take their write downs, how they're going to, you know, they might do something out of the ordinary. They might've had a great year, but they might've had a lot of expenses and that we're not privy to because we're not following the day-to-day operations of those businesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just, for whatever reason, you just don't be crazy um, with guilt and avoid guilt and anxiety totally because you still have till the 15th. And if you don't think you're going to make it, if you're still waiting on other documentation or you're overwhelmed um, and you've had a, a lot going on and that you just can't get them done, file the extension. If you think you owe and it's going to be a certain amount of money, you can placate them by sending a check. For part of that, ideally, you're supposed to estimate that to the best of your ability and send that check right then. Um, Technically, that's what they say, but, you know. Yeah. If it don't happen, it don't happen. Exactly. You know, if you're expecting a loss, then there ain't going to be no check. So you just send it, and then you get to to extend yourself uh, till the end of summer. So, uh, so that'll be it. Maybe you're dealing with some, um, uh, anxiety issues that are, that your biology is kicking in and maybe, you know, um, uh, you're nervous or just anxious cause you're going to owe and, and you think you don't know, but you surmise it might be bigger. Yeah. You make an assumption that it'll be big, mm-hmm. and so you avoid doing them. Oh, yeah. You know, people think of taxes as a painful experience. Sure. Even if they get money back, they, they and so they avoid doing that. That's a biological response. So you need to break the state of that anxiety. So you need to get up, walk around, breathe b- deep with belly deep breathing. Breath, yeah. You need to go get a drink of water. Yep. Raise your electrochemical activity because your brain is affected by how hydrated you are. Yeah. And you might be dehydrated, which could also be leading to low synaptic responses and causing more anxiety uh, from a physical, biological state and not necessarily a mental or emotional state. Uh, so go drink some water, go move around, change up the dynamic to get rid of and move that hormone that's creating that emotional, uncomfortable state and and change your scenery and change up the thing and then go back once you're not having, you know, an instinctive or emotional response. And then you can be logical about it. So let's say um, you don't know what you're doing and maybe that's part of your anxiety. Did you know 
that uh, there is free help preparing tax returns available nationwide. Nice. So the IRS reminds taxpayers that they may be eligible to receive free tax help at nearly 12,000 preparation sites nationwide. The sites are generally located at community and neighborhood centers, and they provide tax assistance to taxpayers with low and moderate incomes and the elderly. Wow. Uh, So the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, or VITA, V-I-T-A, offers free tax help to individuals who generally make $54,000 a year or less. Persons with disabilities, the elderly and individuals with limited English proficiency who need tax assistance in preparing their taxes. All those folks are eligible. The Tax Counseling for the Elderly Program, that's TCE, offers free tax help for all taxpayers, particularly those who are 60 and older. The IRS certified VITA and TCE volunteers are trained to help with many tax questions, including credits, such as the Earned Income Tax Credit, which we're going to talk about, and the Child and Dependent Care Tax Credit. The Earned Income Tax Credit, the EITC, is a significant tax credit for workers who earned $53,505 or less in 2016. Last year, more than 27 million eligible workers and families received almost $67 billion in earned income tax credit, which uh, with an average tax credit amount of 2400 bucks. So that's nothing to shake a stick at, you know, because uh, um, that's pretty powerful when it comes to rearing children because their expenses are out the wazoo. So sure. any amount of money is good. Uh, the max earned income is uh, for 2016 is $6,270. Now, that is some serious coin back in your pocket. Remember, it's not dollar for dollar, but it's off of what you owe. So that's what's great. So for qualifying families with three or more children, um, in order to receive the tax credit, eligible taxpayers must file a return, even if they don't have a filing requirement. So um, let's say you didn't make enough money to have to file. Uh, you can still get that back, that the VITA and and TCE programs can help answer many of these questions that taxpayers may have and help see if they're eligible and how much they qualify for. Taxpayers may also use the irs.gov earned income tax credit assistant to help them determine their eligibility. And we have a link to that on this show page. So uh, if you visit our website and look up today's show, you'll see a link to that earned income tax uh, credit assistant at the IRS website. So uh, before you visit a VITA or TCE site, uh, taxpayers should review publication 3676B to be aware of the services provided. So make sure that you're eligible and it's going to facilitate or or, uh, take care of what you need. Um, Also, if you uh, visit uh, the irs.gov website, you can find the TCE VITA tax locator tool also. Um, You can also download the IRS mobile app at irs2go or call 800-906-9887. Nice. Uh, so in order to get uh, assistance in preparing a tax return, you'll need to take these things with you. Proof of identification, a photo ID for a taxpayer and your spouse. So social security cards for the taxpayer, spouse, and dependents. So all the chitlins, you, your spouse, and anybody else that you claim as a dependent. 
You have to have their social security cards. The Xerox copy is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, proof of foreign status. 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 <laughs> so if you're a foreigner, but you're earning income here, you still have to pay taxes. They just do it a different way. Um uh, birth dates for the taxpayer, spouse, and dependents, wage and earning statements from all employers and other payers. So that's W-2s, W-2G, 1099-R, 1099-Miscellaneous. Interest and dividend statements from banks. So this is another form of a 1099. Um, like if you have a mortgage or tax deduction, you'll have a 1098. Uh, health insurance exemption certificate, if you have received it. A copy of your last year's tax returns. Uh I don't agree with this one, so I'm going to say don't do this, but they want proof of bank account routing and account numbers for direct deposits. Don't do direct deposits, okay, because if you put on there for a direct deposit, anybody that processes this application that touches this application has the potential to steal your information. And so not only have you given them your address, your date of birth, and your social security number on the tax form itself, now you've given them access to your banking. Do you know how easy it would be to steal your moolah? Yes. Yes. Plus, what happens if they push the wrong button and instead of crediting your account, they debit your account for a few thousand bucks? Yeah. You know, you're supposed to get a refund, but they actually chunked you out. You don't want Uncle Sam dipping in your wallet. That's my editorial embellishment, not included in the price definitely, of today's class. Not. And uh, copies of any income transcripts from the IRS or state. Uh, All of the stuff that you would traditionally file with yourself, anything that you've received, even if you don't understand the document that you might have received, but it says tax information, take it with you. And that's the best thing that you can do to protect yourself. Um, And so, again, you can just visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com to find that out. Uh, And remember that when in doubt, just file an extension. Uh, so for more great resources to help you file your taxes simpler and easier, as well as avoiding tax scams and the latest consumer alerts, visit our website at moneycreditnew.com. And for more great resources and topic shows, as well as interviews with great financial gurus, our website, visit it unlockyourwealthradio.com and for Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of Mula Michael Terry I'm Heather Wagonhalls now go out and unlock your wealth today unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation unlockyourwealthradio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved for more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com 